Mike Sklens. Welcome to episode 44 of Nintendo World Reports Connectivity. We've got uh, two normal segments for you this week and one bonus segment. First off, Carmine, Andrew, and Danny talk about their massive backlogs. Uh, and then after that, Neil, Patrick, and Zach talked about all the games they actually have played in the next installment of our Evolving Game of the Year segment. Uh, stick around after the show and you'll get a bit with Neil, Scott, and Zach about The Dark Knight Rises. Enjoy the episode. Okay, guys, uh, welcome to this week's connectivity in for Scott today. I am your friendly neighborhood Australia correspondent, Andrew, and today I'm joined by... You forgot our names, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves then. Apparently, sure, uh... I am the very memorable Carmine Red. <laughs> And I am Danny Bivens. No. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> no, maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about our new feature that's been up on the site for about a week now, I think. Uh, the great pre-Wii U backlog saga, in which we're uh, trying to finish off all how gigantic and embarrassing and... Uh, I guess you could say even shameful lists of games that we've bought and, and haven't had a chance to get through. Um, uh, hopefully we're going to try and clear out these lists in time for the Wii U release. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, we say shameful, but I think it's this was a really important feature to put out because a lot of people came forward and said, oh my God, we've got lists too. It's It was sort of mm -hmm. always like the elephant in the room when people are talking about games and you own the game, and you haven't played it, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And they're talking about how great it is, and you just pretend you know what they're talking about, smile and nod. Or what I oh, do, yeah, I I've just, got that game. What I do, I just base it like, oh, I heard about that in a podcast. That does sound awesome. Feels like I played it, but I haven't even opened it up yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, checking out the site now, I... Uh, I, I mean, I wrote part of it. <laughs> my uh, my own backlog, uh, 44 games. Uh, I think, uh, Kai, there, you've got the worst of the, the lot. You're 49, 50 games? No, 49 games, soon to be 50 when the last story comes out. Could possibly grow higher depending on if I walk into, like, a Target and see a game on sale. You know, it's it's it could grow, and that's the scary thing about this. I'm I'm starting out with 49 games, and I know I could buy more between now and Wii U. I'm not planning to, but I wasn't planning to have a giant stack of games I haven't played either. So I mean, maybe maybe the maybe the whole publicness of it will, you know, be a put a damper on my cravings. <laughs> Yeah, there, um, there's that uh, Kirby collection coming out soon. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and actually, that just came out last week in Japan, and of course I bought it. So just another one on the pile, right? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have that game to your list now. <laughs> yeah, and then to as of the day of recording, um, tomorrow, uh, New Super Mario Bros. 2 and Oni Training come out. So that's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Two more also. So man. Oh yeah. I'm I'm not even tracking my I mean I'm I'm sort of up to date on three DS. I've just got Rhythm Thief to play, but I'm mm -hmm. not tracking that. I can't I don't want 
more stuff for me to handle. Sure. I mean, I, I'm yeah. pretty limited with what I'm tracking on my 3DS too, but uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I picked up Kid Icarus uh, back uh, in the States during E3, and I've been playing it since then. I'm, I'm on the final chapter, but then there's all those goddamn missions to unlockable things. Yeah, let's let's ignore 3DS for the <laughs> sake of this list. You know, but I have to, I have to like really like um I I really respect you guys because you guys I I'm just here to like say oh I pop in a game and I play it and then I played it. That's all I'm trying to say because these are all games I haven't played. You guys are actually trying to finish your games. You know, you're trying to like hundred percent, or you're trying to see the end credits, and that's ridiculous to me because. <laughs> I beat like five percent of the games I own, you know. <laughs> yeah, the way I figure it, if I haven't at least seen one of the endings, I can't say I've played it substantially enough to to talk about my experience of the game. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good practice for like even for when we do our reviews and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, so you guys uh, actually finish? All your games? That's actually like uh, you guys? Because the I, vast majority of them. I, I don't finish the vast majority of mine. Um, actually, you know, on my list, I got 11 Wii games, 9 GameCube games, and 3 3DS games that I selected that I need to beat. Um, so it's 23 games that I have that I need to beat. And, you know, like I said, I wanted to see the end credits. And this is something that. I usually just don't do because I usually just buy games. I'll play it for a little bit and then just not play. Um, I don't, it's just been a bad habit I've had ever since I think Donkey Kong sixty four. I got it for Christmas back in like ninety nine or whenever the hell it came out, and you know I was playing it and having fun with it, and then I got to like I got to a certain boss and I just got stuck, and then I just got pissed off and just quit playing, and then th- that just kind of started it all, and it it. Continued with like PlayStation games, like I bought Final Fantasy VIII. I played it for forty-five minutes, and then I never played it again. You know, uh, I don't know. It just started turning into a really big problem, especially with GameCube, because I would buy all sorts of new releases. I, you know, I was working as like a college student. I had some extra money to blow on games, so I'd buy all the cool releases and never play them all. <laughs> so, ah, uh, college when all of my <laughs> income was disposable. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Do not take any financial advice from me. But um, you know, how did it's weird because uh, college is when my backlog started piling up because you know I mm-hmm. I didn't really have I couldn't uh, growing up you know I don't you don't buy your own games when you're a kid or maybe you do but you know it it never mm-hmm. really becomes like really feasible to be a quote unquote hardcore gamer. Until mm-hmm. you you get that first part time job, you know, and mm-hmm. and you know every and then all your money seems to be like, oh, I can spend this all on video games or all on going out. <laughs> it seems to all be for entertainment stuff. Again, don't take mm-hmm. any financial advice from me, but unless um, you want to, <laughs> unless you want to, but um, <laughs> so anyway, so I got into college, and of course, the Wii comes out, and I'm like, oh my god, this is great! I'm gonna build up the best, biggest collection because all my life. I've had to wait until like Christmas and write Santa Claus, please give me F Zero X or something, you know. <laughs> and uh it it was great, but that's how I got started because college, you know, um lots of free time, lots of discretionary uh spending, 
and you know being in an environment where there's a lot of people playing games and and where I could be on the internet a lot and just hear about so much so many more games that I'd never heard about before mm-hmm. and it's almost like I caught that hardcore gamer bug of oh my god that game just came out I have to I have to buy that oh my god that game just came out what's Klonoa like 10 people are talking <laughs> about it I have to buy it even though I don't know what that's about and that's how I got in this situation so I don't know maybe maybe I should back off it it it's been a one generation thing for me but even in that amount of time as you can see it got pretty bad i mean i would yeah, say that in the the previous generation the uh, the game market uh, in general has been a lot more aggressive with like the the pre-order bonuses and uh, if you buy within the first week or so you get extra content or you get this uh, limited edition case or mm-hmm. or what have you and uh, it's uh, really a mean thing to do because what about the people who like the regular people who can't afford these games like on, on launch day or don't pick them up straight away and uh uh the, the just the way that things have been handled it's um it's addictive it, it, it does put and it does put like you said it it puts pressure on you you know if yeah. you're in an environment and it feels like this is what again you know the intent the cool kids neogaf the forums whoever uh, saying, by you know, this is a hot game. You almost feel, well, uh, maybe I almost felt, you know, pressured into this is what a hardcore gamer is. I may only own a Wii, but I define myself as a gamer. I sort of got, you know, I sort of bought into that whole thing and that whole thing of buy it on launch day, get the pre-orders, you know, that uh, you know, and and get the bonuses like. Uh, and uh, yeah. sometimes I like the bonuses. Like I, I got, I love the Lost in Blue DS bonus. I think they gave you a stylus, and I had that stylus for forever. Had... But... Nice, oh, cool. nice. I had that game, not the special edition though. Cool. I bought a second copy of Ocarina of Time 3D just because the Australian version came with a, a plastic ocarina that you could actually play. Um, <laughs> oh my god, uh, I it, want so much. <laughs> it doesn't even work on my 3DS because it's a US region handheld. But uh, I had to buy it anyway. Nice. So, yeah, we were talking before about uh, finishing games. Like, uh, I would say that first-party titles for myself are ones that I really have to get through. I mean, I've every Mario game I've picked up, I've at least played to the end, and uh, I generally try to, to finish everything. Like, I have all the stars in Galaxy 1 and 2. Um... I had to see the end of uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. And, uh, of course, then it's like, now play mirror mode, now do this, now do that. And, and I'm like, 200%, yeah, now do all the time trials. And I tried one or two of them, and they're ridiculously hard. Um, uh, but uh, beyond th- uh, the first-party games, there there is generally a lot of games that I haven't... Uh, not so much. Like I've seen uh, the ends uh, of, say, just checking my list here. I mean, I've played Smash Brothers, which technically isn't. Um, Poker Park. I've popped it in, played it for five minutes. Uh, Epic Mickey. I've played for maybe half an hour, which uh, which is quite shameful for me. Um, <laughs> a lot of people say it was such a great game. A lot of people say are also. Uh, saying that it's not so much a great game, but uh, I want to find that out for myself. And it's the, the sort of the Disney title that's really Disney back into the, the gaming world as of recently. And uh, 
I really haven't had a chance to to really give it that much time or effort. So, uh, from your lists, uh, what games do you guys still have that uh, that you haven't actually played? Well, all my entire list are games I haven't played at all. Either they're in shrink wraps, or I opened them <laughs> and get the manual and then put them back. And it's it's like so I could go over my entire list, or I could just point out the ones which just really, really embarrass me to say I haven't played, like uh, <laughs> Galaxy Two. You know, Galaxy Two I haven't played, and every and and you hear stuff like, oh, it's better than the first one, and you can't say anything. Against that or for that, you can't join the argument because you haven't played it and it's sitting there. And then there's, <laughs> you know, there's uh, stuff like Xenoblade, which I know will take me forever, you know. But at the same time, I'm, I'm happy I have this list here because I don't know if um, you guys remember me from when I was really, like, posting a lot on the forums, but I think that there's a, just a ton of really unique experiences on the Wii and mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that you know you can look at this list and you can see you can see you know some of those things there like um, someone was talking about uh, Zoo Hospital and uh, I think it was um, Leia's dad from the forums and he was asking about <laughs> it and I remember a long time ago Zoo Hospital I played at actually an E3 um, hmm. I think it was maybe E3 2009 no 2000, 2000 2008 yeah E3 2000 well the the one where uh, Nintendo had the Wii Music Press Conference and I was the only one who came out of that with a smile on my face that E3 <laughs> um, so so in Zoo Hospital you know you 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 look at this and you might think oh it's just a caching game it's by Majesco who I I love by the way but um <laughs> it's it's a trauma center clone okay. How can you go wrong with trauma center gameplay and it just happens to be skinned with zoo animals? So, you know, I think there's a lot of games out there that, that you know, we're just conditioned not to pay attention to. That, you know, our eyes glaze over when we go into a GameStop and we only look for things with guns or with, you know, uh, a certain type of cover or something that just blows it out. But I think if you take a step back, you know, and you just, you, you open... You you consider that maybe there's a lot out there that you're you're ignoring, then you too mm. can have a list of fifty games that you haven't played. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I know for me on my list, I, there's only like one game I think I have that I haven't cracked open, but it's because I just got it within like the past couple of weeks from uh, Andy Gergen, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Um, yeah, it's open, but I mean, <laughs> I just haven't played it yet. So you can finish that in a day. <laughs> oh, I think so. That's why I have it on my list because I wait, think wait, I wait. can blow so, it out so pretty quick. I think we've covered like we we've all loved collecting games. Why ha- we just have our lives changed so much that we can't play these? I mean, is that it? Why do we have these giant collections? I mean, I guess when when you leave college and you get a job, all those college games that you backlog, they just sit there. For me, you know, mm-hmm. and I still consider myself a gamer, and I keep buying games, but my time has really crunched down. And I've got other things to do, like watch Netflix. You know, let's compare this backlog <laughs> against my Netflix backlog. Yeah, over thousands and thousands of movies and TV shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's worse for me because uh, I'm an artist on the side, a uh, starving artist, I suppose I could say. Um, so at any given time, I'm at least uh, writing at least two or three things for the site. 
then I'm doing, uh, I've been working on a, a picture that I'm uh, hoping to finish in time for the uh, anime convention I'm going to next month. Uh, any Australian listeners who are in the Melbourne area, go to Manifest. You'll see me there. Uh, I'll play Nintendo character. I'll take your photo or something. Yay. <laughs> um, and uh, then there's all these other things that I'm working on. I've been... Uh, uh, I did 3D animation when I was in university, and I haven't picked up the, any Maya program or uh, uh, Maya or Studio Max or anything like that in the last year or two and my 3d skills are really getting rusty so i'm like oh my god i've got to go back into that and and try and make a new model or something and then oh but there is this drawing i was meaning to do and oh but then i've got to go back and and play this game and i jump back into the wii and i i go through one of the games on my backlog or something like that and then suddenly i'm like while i'm playing wii i might as well put this in and then oh, but 3DS has got Kid Icarus that I need to finish, or such and so forth. And uh, I, I guess that's really uh, saying how scatterbrained I really am, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sort of just the way I work, and I, I'm very easily distracted by something new or something that I, I get this train of thought, then I've got to go do it. And meanwhile, the things I was planning on doing just get further and further away. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I think for me, like, in the era when I was actually beating games, um, I don't know, I was like, you know, that's probably by the time I was like 14 years old, so that was quite a long time ago. Uh, and then, you know, you just get into college, you get busy. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of free time, but maybe you're still busy doing stuff. I was a history major, so I had a lot of, like, reading I had to do, and obviously it's very time-consuming and, you know, takes some time away from, you know, that I could put in you know, to a more, you know, worthy goal of beating my games. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it kind of took time away from that. And, you know, now it's just, you know, life changes. You, you have different things you've got to get done and stuff like that, too. So, it, you know, you just can't put as much time into games as you want to. At least that's how it works for me. And that's how I even have, you know, I have GameCube games on my list that <laughs> some from around GameCube launch that I bought and played a little bit of and never beat or that I bought on the day that they came out and you know popped in for like you know 10 minutes and it's like oh cool I played it and then that's it so Tell I don't me know. you finished Luigi's Mansion actually I, I just finished that this year just back in May actually um, and Ooh, I got you that. are redeemed sir yes it, it was amazing I, I really loved the game um, yeah, that was one I got for basically Christmas in 2001, and, uh, you know, I waited about 10 years to beat it, so <laughs> what oh. the hell? Yeah, it's like all of a two, three-hour game at that. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not too terribly long. Right. No. Yeah, but I think, uh, I think it's, um, again, I'm really happy that a lot of people came out of the woodwork and said, yeah, we've got these gaming lists too, and I think you have mm -hmm. to accept that, you know, life changes, your time changes, and, I mean... I mean, your guys is, I mean, your, your reasons for not playing games are great because you want to have, like, a rounded life, you know? Like, hmm. I, I long for those times when I can just spend, like, a 24-hour uh, period between Saturday and Sunday just playing games. And mm -hmm. I still yearn for that, but there's other things that come up, and I think that's fine. I think I just, I can't, you know, I can't let that continue and keep, you know, and let these games pile up like that. I have to confront you know, my past, and I have to come mm -hmm. up with some way to handle it, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, um, and that's why when I'm doing this, I'm going to try, I'm going to just start chipping away at the easy ones, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. The shorter, the games that look shorter, like Planoa, it says it's got 14 levels on the back of this box. That's got to <laughs> be a good one. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can play that, beat it two, three hours, put it down and feel good for having beaten the game, you know? <laughs> and I think I'm going to start like that. It's nice, easy. Light. I'm not going to crack open Xenoblade as my first game. I think that's suicide. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah, what are you guys? Like, what games are you looking forward to playing the first on that list? Well, uh, I'm still currently playing Project Zero Two, which I just recently reviewed for the site. Uh, I wanted to at least see the, the two new endings that were included in the game. And uh, some of those are involving uh, playing the games on different difficulty levels or ghost completion rate or... Uh, for those who haven't played, uh, it's sort of like survival horror crossed with Pokemon Snap. There's like one-time <laughs> opportunities to catch a photo of this particular ghost, and if you miss it, then it's gone. You have to wait all the way until the end of the game and start your next playthrough to be able to get to that point again and get oh, a second God. chance to get that ghost. And uh, it's not too difficult, but uh, the way that it's uh, uh, blocked out like that... It's uh, very addictive, and it gives you this checklist with like a little photo and a description of each ghost that you need to do. And uh, actually completing the list does open up the possibility of uh, unlockable bonuses, and uh, it, it increases the story. Like, there's a backstory of each of the particular ghosts in town, and uh, you catch their that particular ghost several times throughout the game doing different things. And it tells you a little bit more of the story, or why they died, or what they were doing in the there, or what they were doing before they died, or or whatever. And uh, it's uh, just the, the style of the game and the, the chance of missing something is something I love about it. But at the same time, it means you've got to play through the game four or five times, possibly more if you are constantly missing this one ghost and you don't know where it is. You start a new chapter, you have to backtrack to this room you visited three levels ago and you don't remember where it was or... Or something like this. Um, but yeah, as soon as I finish this, uh, I'm currently playing Nightmare Mode, which I believe is the hardest difficulty now. I've got everything fully upgraded. I've got two ghosts left to go- le- left to snap. Once I've got that, I'll be like, yes, I've finished the game. Then I can finally go back to uh, Fatal Frame 4, which was the Japan exclusive. Hmm. Uh, I figure since I'm in the sort of the ghosty mood, I'll... I'll just continue on and play with uh, another game in the series. Uh, I did actually play that when it first came out. I I imported a Japanese copy. I got about halfway through, and then I got distracted by something. Here we go with the distractions again. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm going to move on to that. Then I'm probably, since I'm in survival horror mode at the moment, I might go back and finish off uh, Ikenia no Yoru. Which I believe oh. you got me, Danny. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. What what yes. what what game was that? It is uh, Ikenia no Yoru, which means Night of the Sacrifice. It is a great little niche survival horror title. Um, when you pop it in, when you start to play it, you think this game is utter crap. It's pretty much <laughs> first person. You're wandering around. Something pops out at you, or whatever. Uh, I guess it could be. Uh, described as a realistic, scary Pac-Man. 
<laughs> because each level is sort of like this maze that you're traversing around and the ghosts follow set paths or they walk past certain paths or whatever. You like quickly duck around a corner, wait for it to go past, then continue on your way to get to the goal. <laughs> Duh. The thing that makes the game actually amazing is that it's compatible with the Wii balance board. Oh so, my god. You get wow. your Wii Fit tools out, you're actually standing on this machine, and you literally walk to to walk through the, the game. And the uh, faster you walk uh, means the faster you go in the game itself. And all the while you've got the Wii Remote that you're looking in various directions as your flashlight. So to, to quickly turn around or whatever, you have to like swing the, the remote to one side and you'll do a little 180 turn and things oh. like that. And... Um, once you actually start playing with that uh, Wii Fit interactive style, you're like, oh my god, this is actually really fun. <laughs> if I was just using the uh, the remote and the nunchuck combination, I wouldn't even recommend this to anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of short games on my list. I mean, uh, uh, Dragon I, Ball I, Revenge of in Piccolo, I could probably I actually, get through. I actually have an idea, actually. Why oh, yeah? don't... Um... Why don't, uh, to end this segment, we, we look at each other's lists. Like, I'll look at uh, Danny's list. Danny will look at Andrew's. Andrew's will look at mine. And we each, like, challenge each other to play this game next. That's a good or idea. That. I mean, I mean, if, if, I mean, you don't have to say, you don't have to actually do it. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But at least try, you know. And, mm -hmm. and don't, don't say Xenoblade for me, please. <laughs> Xenoblade. Oh, God. So, so you guys game for that? Yeah, yeah that looks, sounds great. Okay, um, I guess we'll need a little bit of time, but um, uh, Danny, uh, what games are you uh, uh, what games uh, are you intending to play next? Before we do that final, okay, I dare you to play yeah. this one next. Sure. So I'm trying to clear out some of my, like I was telling you guys, some of my GameCube games that I've had for almost a decade and um uh, i'm working on eternal darkness right now um i rented it back in the day never really got to play too much of it and um it's really cool and, and apparently i picked the hardest path to go on uh, on accident like at the beginning of the game you pick whatever the hell it's called the magic or whatever and um yeah so apparently i picked the hardest oh, yeah. one that's you picked uh Uliath? Yeah, the blue. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. It's blue. Okay, <laughs> bad <laughs> idea." <laughs> so, but I think after I get done with that, then I'm going to maybe try to move on to like Pikmin or you know something like that. Because hearing like everybody talk about Pikmin and Pikmin Two, and then you know obviously Pikmin Three is coming out too. That's been getting me excited to like play it because that's another game that I bought around the time it came out and just never beat. So, kind of focusing oh. on that stuff or just stuff that's just easy to beat and i like mm -hmm. right now i'm on a relatively long vacation from work so i might try to beat one of the really long games i have like skyward sword or xenoblade or something okay so, yeah so um andrew you want to take a look at my list and like uh pick out a game for me to challenge me to play first? yes i i'm i'm actually looking at your list now uh out of curiosity what is active life explorer oh active life explorer by namco bandai games um it's you remember the power pad you for the NES? Do you, does, do you, does that ring a bell? It's um, it's like Was a DDR that... pad, except instead of you know, instead of the grid like squares, it's actually circles. Oh, basically, Active Life was yeah. Namco bringing back that the idea of a power pad, except instead mm -hmm. of um, 
So think of a DDR pad, but instead of up, down, left, right, it's got, I think it's got about eight buttons, six in the middle, and then it's like a fatter D-pad with an extra up and down and yeah. middle buttons. And basically, I think, uh, I, and basically these games are sort of like their version of Wii Fit where you run, you just keep on stepping back and forth on those two to simulate running or to mm -hmm. go to one side or something like that. And Active Life Explorer, I believe, is their sort of Indiana Jones-themed game for that. There was a bunch. There was Magical Life. There was, you know, I think there was Outdoor Life. There was a bunch of different themes. Active Life Explorer, I think, got reviewed pretty well. And it's sitting there, and I'm going to have to open it up. There'll be that pad in there. I'll lay it out. <laughs> and I yeah. think it's, it could actually support two pads, except I don't think I have two pads. So... <laughs> Damn. That actually sounds really interesting. If there wasn't an ocean between us, I would be like, totally, I'm going over there. We'll play that together. <laughs> yeah, the Dun Pond. <laughs> <laughs> um, since I asked a question about it, that kind of doesn't count, but uh, I did mention <laughs> it. I, I, I guess you should play that, but I, I'm going to go ahead and go do one more there. I'm going to say you need to play Trauma Team, because I've Trauma played Trauma. that. It is awesome. Yes, that's that's another game. I'm like, I I'm a big fan of the series. I just haven't found time. So thank you. I'll, I'll you need to shot. finish it too. Get the whole story. <laughs> Wait a second. How long is that game? Is it Xenoblade? It's Xenoblade, isn't it? It's got like eighty operations I have to do, isn't? Doesn't it? Well, there's I think there's six characters. Each of them have maybe ten missions each, and the the missions themselves only go for a couple of minutes each. Okay, I'll give it a shot. I hope it isn't as hard as the first Trauma Centers. I finished it in a couple of days. You'll be fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so, Danny, I'm going to take yes. a look at your list. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned Eternal Darkness. You mentioned Pikmin. So I can't really pick those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, how about GoldenEye 007? Are you, are you, yeah. are, is that the only FPS on this list? Yeah. FPSs? Um, actually, yeah, I really do like FPSs. I'm really into Call of Duty and stuff like that. I usually play them on like 360. But um, yeah, you know, for, I, I have played a bit of GoldenEye and I really enjoyed it. The only thing I don't like is, you know, no clicky joysticks, which mm -hmm. it kind of takes away a little bit of like the functionality of, you know, what you can do. I mean, it's still like, oh, you know, are you play Are you playing it on the classic controller or? The yeah, that's, that's what I use. Oh, I, okay. I've done the. You know the the pointer and the nunchuck. It's okay. I I just I don't know. I'd rather just play with a standard okay. controller. That's just me. Okay. But. That's curious because I mean I think I try to always play with pointer on FPS mm -hmm. because I'm just not adapted to dual analog yet, and I might have to <laughs> in the future. But I think GoldenEye you can tackle it. You know, it it, it has mm -hmm. a discrete ending, and it's not cool. going to be like a JRPG that'll take forever to get through. And it's nice. I think it's a nice little romp. You know, mm -hmm. while you, while you go through it, and I think, you know, uh, I think it's even got a great. I heard that it's got a pretty good online mode, but uh, yeah, actually, um, James Charlton, one of the other Japan correspondents, he he got this game like last year, and I'd got this, you know, earlier this year, and we actually played online together, and it was fun. Just like everyone else playing online was were like gods, kind of, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what can you do? So yeah, what can you do? Yeah, and, and uh, I I need that's on my list as well. I've played maybe three of the levels, four of the levels. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's pick a game for uh, Andrew now. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> believe it or not, that was the game I had picked for Andrew. Because um, I, I was thinking, you know, hey, I, I thought it was pretty fun from what little bit I played. And, you know, obviously from hearing a lot from all sorts of other people in the media like two years ago, um, you know, <laughs> seemed to have really liked it. So, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I enjoyed what little bit I played of it. And I think it could be a fun experience and not one that would take too terribly long. Other yeah, than that, a... I'd say, other than that, I'd say maybe Epic Mickey. That'd be, um, it's supposed to be really awesome, and yeah, it, it, I think it'd be a, a good choice. Sure, I'll, I'll put an underline over that on my list there. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, we have missions. <laughs> Yay, missions within our missions. Mm-hmm. Homework: play a video game. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh uh. I should also point out I've taken to playing Smash Brothers again after the maybe year since I last touched it. I'm I'm trying to get uh, a little bit done every night in the hopes of getting one of the last few damn stickers that I need to get. I have five left to obtain. Well, four now. Yeah, I've got four stickers left to, to obtain in the game. And... Uh, as uh, some of you may know, the, the more stickers you get, the lower the percentage chance of getting one of the new ones towards the end. I don't know if it's programmed that way to just drag the game out and make it extra difficult or have you, but there are 700 stickers total. And it is. I played it for a good two years after the game launched, and uh, that's the only thing I need to do left. I will get the final trophy, which will say, uh, I think it's a stickers trophy, of course, that will say you've collected them all. Then the mission mode will unlock that final little thing and say, congratulations, you've completed everything. And then I'm like, yes, I can put the game away now. I'm sick of it. <laughs> it's got the uh, hostage, man. <laughs> Good luck. That's, <laughs> that's probably the most frustrating thing on my list. And, uh... Uh, I'm taking to playing it maybe 15 minutes, uh, maybe an hour every night. Just do I do have the the sticker factory uh, custom stage built where you're like there's a conveyor belt and you just wail on the punching bags until they drop stickers for five minutes or whatever. At the <laughs> end of each one, you've got maybe 30, 45 stickers, and uh, whether or not you've got a new one during that time is completely up to chance. <laughs> so, uh, wish me luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. All right. Well, um, for any of you guys listening at home, uh, check out the the feature, the uh, great pre Wii U backlog saga. It's uh, it's on the site. The the little picture of the brown book. Uh, the drawing is to yours truly. <laughs> little plug there. Um, <laughs> if you still haven't checked it out. Or if you've got a backlog of your own, by all means, let us know in the uh, the talkback forums. We love hearing from you guys. Um, but uh, apart from that, I, I think we're we're pretty much done. We've got to get onto our games. <laughs> We've got how long is it? Three months until Wii U launches. Basically, uh, yeah. Yep. Something like that, right? Something like that. I need to load up on more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, thanks very much, you guys, and uh, we'll hear from you later on, I guess. Right on. Okay. Game on. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.
welcome to the Game of the Year segment, Part 3. I'm your host, Neil Ronahan, and with me, as usual on these segments, is Patrick Barnett and Zach Miller. Hey, hey. Pop, pop. And uh, <laughs> in case this is your first time to the Game of the Year rodeo, uh, what we've been doing, this is the third time we've done it in the year of 2012, and we have a personal top five list for each of us, and we also kind of have a cumulative top five list that we argue about. Um, and what we're going to do in this segment is we are going to talk about some games that have come out since the last time we did this. The last time we did it was in April, right after Xenoblade Chronicles came out. Uh, I think we mentioned Xenoblade, but neither, none of us had, had played it at much at that point. Um, but we are going like to... This is going to be on my list. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is discuss some games, and then we will go over a top five list, and then we will argue and punch, our, punch each other in the face to figure out the... Uh, the trio's top five list, cumulatively. Hmm. So let's start off by uh, talking about Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, I know, Patrick, uh, I think you and I are the only two people that play the game, yeah. uh, and you are pretty near the end, I, aren't I you? am at the very end. I'm at the point where you, if you go past it, you can't save anymore. Oh, shit. I, I hate my life at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard the ending's kind of a bear. Uh, I'm still languishing in my 10-hour mark, although... Uh, someone in the backlog segment, or the backlog talkback thread, wrote a really long-winded thing about Xenoblade, and I read that, I'm just like, oh, I gotta play it again. Yeah. I really gotta play it again. The further you get in, the more the story picks up, and it, it, it really drives you. It, yeah. It makes you want to play more. Yeah. Except um, where you, to the, when you get to the point I am, and then you're just like, uh... <laughs> you're like, maybe I'll watch the ending on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really contemplate it, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Xenoblade is a fantastic game, and uh, spoilers, it is it is on my list despite not even finishing it, which I don't know if that says bad things about the other games that have come out this year or good things about Xenoblade. Um, but the next game on our list to discuss, which is, did not make it on anyone's list, I'm pretty sure, and that's Mario Tennis Open. Zach, did you even play this at all? No, I don't care. Okay. Uh, I know, Patrick, we actually played this against each other yeah, in an airport. Yeah. Oh, um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually played this game last weekend, too, at a Street Pass event, and uh, I had fun doing two-on-two -two, uh, doubles with four people. Hmm. And I think in I, a multiplayer, still that's where the game truly shines. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think that game's amazing, but I think it's very good. I, I feel like it would be seen as a lot better game and a lot better value if it was like a $20 eShop download. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, so uh, people are going to cry bloody murder at a $40 price point for that game. And I was actually playing Mario Tennis 64 recently because I got it as uh, when it was the free Club Nintendo game. And I'm just like, this game has more in it than Mario Tennis Open. Um, <laughs> that kind of made me sad. I thought about getting that, but I never did because I, I cannot get past the fact that tennis is pong. <laughs> I would definitely say, like, if you ever see it for, like, 20 bucks, Zach, it's definitely worth getting. All yeah. right. I mean, I still I still put, like, 12 or 13 hours into it. Yeah, like, I, I put I a lot I'm of time into it. actually. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fun game. It's just that there's there's not that much to it. I spent most of my time into the online multiplayer. Yeah, it was just it was instead of Kid Icarus where that was a lot more of like I had to prepare for it and like you don't get warmed up right away. Yeah. Mario Tennis Open, it was just like sit down and you could play a match in one minute. Normally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next game on the list is something that both Patrick and I have loved the shit out of, I think. I, I haven't uh, played it. Oh, you haven't? Okay, you have not played Theater Rhythm. I have played Theater Rhythm, and I adore Theater Rhythm. It is probably the biggest surprise of the year for me so far. Is I thought I would enjoy it. I thought it'd be fun. I didn't think I'd get into it as much as I did. As it stands, 
there are only uh, there are, there are three 3DS games that I have played more than this, and that is uh, Kid Icarus, the uh, Ocarina of Time, and Super Mario 3D Land. And oh. if I play Theater Rhythm for another 20 minutes, it's going to top Super Mario 3D Land. Oh. I, I I really adore this game. I think it's fantastic. Uh, spoilers, it made my list. Well, yeah. I, I'm yeah. really excited to play it. I mean, it's still sitting here right in front of me. Right, yeah. right next is, to Kingdom it, Hearts. <laughs> it has also taken over uh, Mike Sklenz's life as well. I've been seeing his tweets being like, can't stop playing! It, it seemed like when it came out, it took over almost everyone's life. Like, yeah. On Twitter, that's all I was reading, just theater of the theater of that. I, it would be the kind of thing where I'd be like, I'll play like a half an hour before I go to bed, and then I'd look at the clock and I'd be like, oh, I started playing this at 11 and it's like 2. <laughs> um... So yeah, Theater Rhythm is great. I wholly recommend it. The next game on the list is Rhythm Thief, which I've been playing this week, and I don't really enjoy it that much. I like I love the style. I think the style is to die for, but I just don't really like the rhythm games. And I think that's just... Uh, I, I was trying to reach some kind of conclusion about it in the talkback thread for Alex's review, um, which I, I didn't think I would agree with, but I, I kind of agree with almost completely. Uh, he's a little negative on the game. But I think what it is is that, like, what I like in my rhythm games are kind of the repetition of playing songs as opposed to the, like, oh, here's a new minigame, here's a new minigame, there's a new minigame. So, I, you know, I love me some rock band and guitar here. I really like theater rhythm. I kind of got into elite beat agents, but, like, I'll play a rhythm heavy game and never touch it again. And I play Rhythm Thief and I don't get into it. Um, I just I don't really care for this game that much. I'm not sure if it's just my love for the style of game it is, like the artistic style, and it just yeah. feels like a Professor Layton game to me, except rhythm games. But See, I, for me, it's reminding me more of Dr. Lotrek okay. as opposed to Wait, Professor Layton, I, which I is sad, 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 sad. <laughs> I know you weren't too hot on that game. Yeah. But. I mean, it's it's still, it is it is leagues better than Dr. Lotrek. <laughs> you know, it's actually competent what, and what I've sits out it, to do things and does it. What I've played of it, I, I, I enjoy it. It's just... It's not game of the year material, but I still really like it. Yeah, like I mean, I haven't totally given up into it, uh, given up on it. I've, I think I'm about ten rhythm games in. I put like an hour and a half or so into it. I, I guess what um, it comes down to is whether or not you can tolerate like oh decent rhythm games. Yeah, like, and I think the rhythm games, rhythm heavy I, games, but I like, would, I would say out of the ten that I've played, there's probably two that I think are really dumb. There's probably about five that I'm annoyed with. And then there's three that I like. Did you play any of the gyro minigames? Yeah, yeah. yeah I played that, one with the fucking dog where yeah, I'm that, tilting his head. And I'm just like, what is this? And I'd yeah. miss it. I'd be like, but I actually made did the right move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like I like it's just the kind of thing where it's, it, some of the rhythm games feel half baked. Like they don't really feel like they're they're completely there. And some of them are cool, and some of them are frustrating. Um, I'm just I'm not I'm not too hot on this game. Um. Maybe eventually we'll talk about a game that Zach has played as well. But nice. this next game will not be it. Uh, Here's Ruin, which came out last week. Uh, Patrick was on the review. I also played a good deal of it. Um, I really dig this game. I think it's got some issues, but it's a lot of fun. I, I played this at E3, the demo, and I, I walked away from it, and I didn't really like it at all. But it might have just been the E3 experience there. I yeah. just, it was hindering my enjoyment of the game. And after I put in, well, I think I'm up over 16 hours now. I just love it, love it to death. Yeah, um, I, I think I've rocked in eight. I basically stopped playing it because I had Rhythm Thief and I wanted to play that. But uh, <laughs> so, I'm going so you on didn't a... beat the story mode? No, I haven't. Okay. I, I just got to Act Four or Act Three. 
I think four. Um, after the ice area. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm I'm going to be on a plane ride later this week, and I'll probably beat it during that plane ride. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the next game on the list is Marvel Pinball 3D, which is a game that Patrick reviewed very, very highly. Yes. Um, you love your Zen Studios games. I, I actually, I think this is way better than Zen Pinball 3D, and I yeah. think that has a little bit to do with that. I like comic books. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but it's it's a really fun game. Yeah. It's exactly like Zen Pinball, except Marvel. Yeah, and I think that the tables are yeah, they're slightly on better. the whole better. Yeah. Uh, like all of them, I enjoy playing. Yeah. Whereas on Zen Pinball, there were only two. I remember I mentioned that in my review where Zen Pinball, I stuck to the Excalibur table, and this one I couldn't pin down a favorite. Yeah, I was just bouncing between them all. Yeah. Uh, this, all right, Zach, talk right. Pikmin two. Man, it's fun. Yeah, it's a really good game. It I is. need to play more of it now that I have my Wii back. Yeah, it's it's really much better than I thought it would be. Um, part of me likes... I like part of it more than the original. Um, and I don't love the dungeon sections, but I can see how they're a nice challenge. Yeah. It's just a really impressive game, and, and the new play control controls are <laughs> great. So, if you haven't played Pikmin 2, this is definitely the way to do it. Yeah, it's only 20 bucks. Um I've been I've been playing it too, but it's been a while since my Wii died shortly after I got it. Um, I really enjoy the game. It makes me so, so excited for Pikmin 3. Yeah. Is this your first time with Pikmin 2, Zach? It is. Okay. Same here. Oh, wow. So I'm the only GameCube Pikmin 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the last game that we were going to discuss before we get into the probably more interesting top five lists... Pokemon Conquest. Uh, I think I'm the only one that played this. I I really like playing it for like four or five hours, and then I just put it down and was just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm gonna lend it to a friend of mine. He seems more interested in it. Um, so that'll that'll work out. It's a strange, I like the concept. It's a I just wasn't strategy interested. RPG, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got some Pokemon twists, um, but it is very much. It's like. It is a Nobunaga's ambition game right. with some Pokemon thrown in. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's go to our top five lists, and let's start off with Zach since he didn't get to talk too much. So, uh, <laughs> Zach, I will recount your previous top five list, and then you can tell me why that's wrong oh, and okay. what you're changing. All right. Uh, your your top five list uh, as of April was Resident Evil Revelations, right. Kid Icarus Uprising, Mutant Muds, 3D Classics Kid Icarus, and Metal Gear Solid 3D. What are your changes? Wow, really? There's only only two changes there. Uh, wait, no, wait. No, there's not, there are right. way I'm more. I'm looking at the wrong list. I'm silly. Uh, okay, so my new list is. Friggin' find it. Well, Resident Evil is still on top. That's, that seems that's like still that, number one, and it, that is going to be a very tough game to beat for you. I, I actually uh, was playing that the other day. Wow. Going back to it, and it's still quite good. Uh, my new number two is VVVVVV. Which is excellent. Although, Holy technically, I was gonna say. that is a 2011 release, Zach. Oh, really? Yeah, it came out at the end of 2011. Yep. Was, was it the 31st, oh. I think? December 29th, maybe? Oh, or maybe the 31st. last few days. Fair. <laughs> well... <laughs> Because I was just looking at that, I'm like, man, I love VVVVV. Why isn't that on my list? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. 
Well, well to I'm going to have it, to revise that a little bit. Um, I bought it when it was on sale. So, okay, yeah. fine. We'll have to take VVVV off and replace it with Mutant Muds again. Because let me tell you, I started replaying Mutant, Mutant Muds, and it is very good. I love that game. I, I, I sincerely love Mutant Muds. It's, yeah. it's so much fun. And the music it's, is, I forgot how yeah, wonderful the music is. The, the music is great. Uh, just, I mean, it's the kind of game that I could jump back in and play over and over again and be happy. Yeah. Uh, so number three is Pikmin 2, because I love it so much. Haven't beat it yet, but I'm getting there. Um, even though it's kind of a GameCube game, but it's, you know, it's a new release on Wii in 2012. Yeah. So that's something. And there's only like five of those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number four is apparently Mutant Muds again, but uh, <laughs> I'll have to come up with something. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm going to throw in Kid Icarus Uprising on number four. All right. Because right. I intend to I beat that it. game. I intend to beat that game. And then uh, number number five would have to be uh, uh, 3D Classics Kid Icarus because it's really very right. good. So uh, you just swapped uh, Mutant Muds Kid Icarus and moved up Pikmin 2. Yeah. Very interesting. So, Patrick, your top five, if you <coughs> forgot, uh, was previously Kid Icarus Uprising, Mutant Muds, Resident Evil Revelations in the number three spot, Tales of the Abyss at number four, and 3D Classics Kid Icarus. Once again, I think you guys are both dumb and stupid for putting 3D Classics Kid Icarus on your top five list. Dude, but it's good. Really Have you good. played it? Ah, uh, it's fucking Kid Icarus still. So. No, it's it. Uh, it has different controls that make it, it playable and good. It. But all right, Patrick, okay. you, you had a lot of changes. I am curious to hear your justifications for all these. Although Kid Icarus, much... 2, Kid Icarus 2 is a better game. Yeah, I'm, I've been playing that lately. Um, I enjoy it a lot more than the original. Not as much as the sequel. All right, well, um, it wasn't really as much changes as everything just got shifted down. Because basically Xenoblade Chronicles took the number one spot. For all of the reasons we discussed earlier and yeah. more, because it's just really, really good. Um, now, the one thing that I did notice that you did is that, uh, so you kept Kid Icarus and Mutant Muds as your two and three, but Resident Evil Revelation, oh wait, no, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Zach's list. Okay, never mind. You yeah. did not do anything too radical. <laughs> yeah, Kid Icarus Uprising came in at number two, Mutant Muds number three, Resident Evil Resola- Revelations at number four. And then number five, if everything would have gotten bumped down, would have ended up being Tales of the Abyss, which I really loved and I played it. It was like 45 hours long on my 3DS. But Heroes of Ruin has claimed the number five spot because Ooh. I adore that game. It was yeah, it warts was and all. Yeah, like it, it was just so good. The online, like we played, Neil and I played online. The voice chat worked, and it was just such a pleasant yeah. experience. Oh, really? Voice chat. The, the online is game. pretty. The online is no joke in that game. But uh, so so my top five, I got uh, my original was Kid Icarus Uprising, Mutant Muds at number two, Resident Evil Revelations at number three, Mario Party Nine at number four, and Rhythm Heaven Fever at number five. Wow. Uh, and I I blew the fuck up my my bottom three. Uh, Kid Icarus is still my number one, Mutant Muds is still my number two, but uh, Theater Rhythm uh, comes in and that is my personal number three. I I really uh, as I. For the reasons I detailed earlier, I think Theater Rhythm is very special and it is wonderful. My number four is Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, despite only being about ten hours into it. That's that's how impressed I was with the opening hours of that game. Um, and uh, my number five is Heroes of Ruin because I don't think I I don't think I like it quite as much as Patrick does, but I still like that game a whole lot. 
and uh, to be completely honest, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's just I'm looking at everything else that could be on my top five list, and I'm just like, well, I, I like Heroes of Ruin more. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. So now we get to the fun part, which is uh, hashing out our own top five list uh, for, for all three of us. Our, our list previously, yes, was Kid Icarus Uprising at number one. Resident Evil Revelations at number two, Mutant Muds at number three, Mario Party 9 at number four, and Tales of the Abyss at number five. Um, There must not have been a lot out that time. Yeah, I think the Kid Icarus Uprising is is still the number one. Yeah, I'd I'd keep that number one. uh, Zach, do you have any issues with that? Uh, Not really. I mean, I know you guys aren't going to pick Resident Evil. Yeah. Now, this is where it might get interesting, is that uh, Resident Evil Revelations isn't even on my top five anymore. Um, yeah. It has gone down, Patrick's, and it is your number one. And I guess the only other game that would that would kind of challenge this number two spot would be, I guess, Xenoblade. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think Xenoblade or, or Mutant Muds. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing is I don't know if. I mean, we have Mutant Muds at the number three below Resident Evil. Has has Mutant Muds grown enough? For, for all three of us to triumph over Resident Evil Revelations, or has Xenoblade just come and done past everyone? I think Resident I, Evil's better than Mutant Muds, but Xenoblade's probably better than Resident Evil. I, I would put Xenoblade above Resident Evil. I, I think, I as much as I, I don't want to see Mutant Muds go down farther, farther down the list, because I really do love that game, I think that Xenoblade is, is a very solid number two. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that Resident Evil Revelations will be number three. And Mutant Muds is number four. Cool. And then we get to that fifth spot, which I think we had trouble with before, too. Um, we're, we're knocking down, uh, I guess if we just move everything down, then Mario Party 9 is now our number five. No. Which uh, I don't think that's our number five anymore. But what no. would be our number five? Kid Icarus Uprising. Have... Uh, no, wait a second. I mean, Kid Icarus 3D Classics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the list. I guess I don't think I don't well, think you guys will support me. Oh, oh, I was gonna say you guys. I don't think you guys would support me for theater rhythm. <laughs> if you are, then I'll take it. Um, that sounds like the kind of game. Like if I bought it, I'd play it all the time. Yeah, it. it I gotta play it. I should have before <laughs> this, but I, I kind of agree with you. Like I, everyone that's played it loves it, so I think it's probably a, a worthy number five. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess what other games have challenged that? I mean, I guess, I guess Pikmin Two maybe. No, no. Um, Heroes of Ruin, I feel like is like on the outside looking in. Like yeah. that is number six. Yeah. Or number seven or something. All right, now let's go. So, so we have our top five list is settled. It is uh, Kid Icarus Uprising staying at number one. We got Xenoblade Chronicles surging from the from the Nether Realm and coming in at number two. We got Resident Evil Revelations taking a little step back to number three. Mutant Muds also taking a similar step back to number four. And Theater Rhythm uh, showing up at number five. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good top five list for right now. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to get a lot more interesting as time goes on. The fall, we'll probably be doing the, doing the shit every other two weeks. Yeah. Man, I want um, the Theater Rhythm now. Yeah. And remember, the, uh, the rules for this go as follows, is that even if... We've already discussed the game. Like, if one of you guys were... Like, Zach, if you were to go play Rhythm Thief and you fucking love it, 
yeah. you can bring it back up in the conversation. Remember oh, don't that. Don't worry, I will. Um, that th- those be the rules. Is that it, it doesn't matter when we play the game. It's just the game had to have come out in 2012. So yeah. that means whenever Zach does eventually download Zen Pinball, he has to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Well, so, if it well, would make I'll his probably, list. Probably, honestly, I'll, if I had to choose, I would pick the uh, the, the Marvel Pinball. Marvel yeah, pinball. yeah. And I think I think Marvel is the better. In all honesty, actually, thinking about it. Uh, if we were to expand this to a top ten, I think Marvel Pinball would be. No, it'd be right there. Yeah, like it that, would be, that would probably be my number six. That that and Heroes of Ruin would be knocking on the door of the top oh, yeah. five, in my yeah. opinion. So to finish us up, we do a little side thing here. We'll be talking about Nintendo games of the years uh, for each of us. I guess we will start off with Zach once again. Previously, your your current Nintendo game of the year was a tie between Journey and Rayman Origins Vita. Do you have a new Nintendo game to discuss, or is it still just Journey, Journey, Journey? Yeah, I haven't bought a lot of new games. It's I think I think between the two of them, honestly, uh, would have to be Rayman because I spent the most time with that. I platinumed the game; it's the only game I've platinumed. And even after I platinumed it, I went back and did like the time trial stuff. So hmm. I'm still playing it a lot. Whereas Journey. You know, Journey's so short, you can show it to a friend. Like, you can literally sit down yeah. and play through it in an hour and a half with a buddy who hasn't seen it, and they'll, they're like, awesome. But, you know, you're never going to play that again. And uh, by yourself, unless you're going for trophies, which I could do, but I'm not committed to. So it's going to be it's gonna be uh, Rayman. Cool. So good. And you know what the funny thing is? I tried to play... Uh, I also have it on PS3. I tried to play it on PS3. It is not nearly as good. Really? The, it's it's because maybe the, I will get the Vita it's version. It's because of the sticks. The sticks oh. are bigger and have more. There's more distance between the center and the uh, edge, so it's actually more difficult, especially in the swimming sections, to be precise. Uh, so the Vita version is better just because of the controls alone. Yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff that came out on Vita this week. They have that that puddle game that came out on XBLA and PSN that looks I think, really I think reminiscent the of Final Fluidity. Gravity Rush DLC is supposed to come out. Today. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it though. Dude, I fell off the map with Gravity Rush. Uh, I I kind of lost total interest after the kids' bullshit. Oh yeah. Oh, so you and, haven't played it? No, and everyone that I talked to was kind of just like, yeah, the ending's rough, and I just have no motivation to go oh, through it. I wouldn't it. say it's it's a it's a good ending. No, maybe I'll maybe I'll get there someday. And you're you're but, almost there. Yeah, I think I'm at 18 right now, so I think I've only got like what three five missions left. You, but but take it from me, you really don't need to play the DLC. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I mean. I got I got the free one because I got a pre-order on Amazon. Right, but the missions, I would honestly the new missions are not great. I was expecting when we when I was playing Gravity Rush, I was expecting to mention Gravity Rush as my Nintendo game. I was too, al- but it's, it's alas, it, it didn't quite make the list. Another no. game that I thought. Uh, had a shot uh, would be Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD, but that's got too much jank. I, I, I oh, does it? it? I was, you know, I'm keep meaning to ask you about that game, dude. It's it. it do you like Tony Hawk? Like the original? I like the first three. Then get the game. Okay. Just be expect like to have a little frustration. You know, there's some weird glitchy bullshit. Like it's it's a flawed game, but if you like those original games, you will derive enjoyment from this game. I'm okay. I'm almost positive. Okay. Like. I, I will complain about this game because I'm such a big Tony Hawk fan, but I've probably sunk 
six or seven hours into it already. Wow. And it's the kind of stuff where it's just like, I will just start playing it and just like be like, oh, shit, I got every goal on this level. And it's two hours later. Nice. Um, I'm excited for the Tony Hawk 3 DLC that will eventually come out because Tony Hawk 3 is by far my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually went back and played that, and I think it's better than the HD version. Huh. And I wish um, I still had that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I assume the Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD would be a big rival for this. And then uh, when Spelunky HD came out, I thought that would be in consideration too, but I, I've only put like 15 minutes into that, although that's one of those games that kind of like like Fez, like I put a lot of time into Fez initially, and then I'm waiting for uh, two of my friends to come over because they're they're both into those game, those kinds of games, and, and you know play the shit out of with them. But one of my friends lives kind of far away, and we just haven't been able to kind of hang out and have a day to chill and play the game. Are you um, are you waiting for it to not be patched ever? Um, I don't really care. Like I, I have a lot of fun playing that game, and I look forward to romping through it with those two friends again. Sure. Um. But my my Nintendo game, which is supplanting my former one of NFL Blitz, is Awesome Knots. What is this? It is made by. It is a game developed by Ron, Ronimo Games. They are the people who originally came up with the idea for Deblob. Uh, it was a oh. student project by some Dutch people, and then they made Swords and Soldiers, which was a WiiWare game that was kind of like a side-scrolling real-time strategy game. Actually, I've been, I've been playing it on my phone. Uh, I, have, I got an Android indie bundle when I got my Android phone. Hmm. And it, it runs like shit, but uh, you know, I've been playing Swords and Soldiers on my phone. And what Awesome Knots is, is a, it's a 2D side-scrolling MOBA, which, uh, for if you're not in the know, it's a I guess, multiplayer online battle arena. Uh, Dota... League of Legends, it's like that, but those are all like you know isometric games. This is a 2D side scroller. Basically, you have two you have two opposing sides, um, and there's three people on each team, and then you're basically going to kind of farm to gain up energy so you can upgrade your character, and then attack people uh, the other teams. Uh, they have like defense walls that are that have turrets, and then they have a base um, that you want to check. The goal is to blow up the base. And there's uh, currently six different classes. There was actually a title update, I think, yesterday. Uh, well, I guess a few... Uh, earlier this week, um, there was a title update that added two new characters and did some balancing. I haven't gotten a chance to check that out. But you have these six different characters that are all varied and awesome. Like, there's um, there's a, a frog named Froggy G. There's a dude who looks like a cowboy. There's a giant fucking tank. There's a, a healer that's like... This weird alien-looking thing with a brain in a jar, and it talks like it's uh, Austrian. Um, it's got tons of personality. There's a re- big old ridiculous like Saturday morning cartoon-style opening video, and a theme song. No, it's awesome. Not just picture that Saturday morning theme song, and you're probably close. Um, also, every character has a has a song too, uh, which are done in different styles and are all very funny. And there's a, there's a lot of different things you can upgrade in the game. Like, as you play through the game, like, I think you start off, there's only two or three characters unlocked. And then as you gain levels by playing games, you can it's it's primarily an online game. Uh, but you can play locally uh, with... Uh, you, I think you can... I don't think you can play against each other locally. But you can play where you're all three on the same team. And you can take that online as well. Um, and then you can play the computer. But the computer seems to only have one difficulty level. And... Once you get past a certain skill level, then the computer's a joke. Um, oh, did, did you say this was XBLA? 
It's XBLA and PSN. It was actually free for PS Plus members back in May when it came out. Oh. And it is coming to Steam very soon. They, they have a beta open right now. Well, I've checked Personally it out. For only getting PlayStation Plus now. <laughs> yeah, um, I was actually thinking of getting PlayStation Plus for this game, but I wound up getting a code. Because um, I think I was on some sort of PAX East mailing list, because these guys were at PAX East with mm. this game. And I remember being like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, uh, 2D MOBA. Like I, I've never really gotten into League of Legends or anything like that, but I, I always like the idea of those games. And uh, a 2D version of that is is right up my alley. Um, I just I really think this game is incredible, and I wish more people would play it. And I I hope it. I hope there's more content in the pipeline. Apparently, like one of the new characters is like, it's like some kind of like thing where it's like riding a turret and you can leave the turret and like go and like sneak and drop bombs on people or something it's it's nuts there's also there's a monkey in a jetpack is one of the characters too. <laughs> his name is yuri um really like i i sincerely love this game it's honestly it's one of my one of my favorite games of the year one of the biggest surprises of the year for me um it's really really good oh cool. i'll check it out so patrick what's your nintendo game of the year well, it, it was Journey, and I think it's going to stay at Journey, but I have been playing Tales of Graces for the PS3, which came out back in March. Now, I know neither of you are really into the Tales series, no. but it's it, just... Was, it, was that Tales of Graces F? Tales of Graces it... F, yes, oh, okay. because I guess Tales of Graces was originally on the Wii, but it yep. never got localized to North America. So I guess this version just has added features and stuff. I haven't really gotten to anything yet because I'm only six hours into the game, but... It's a Tales game, and I, I love those games, so it's right up my alley, and I really like it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that is uh, the Game of the Year segment. Um, go play Awesome Knots. Yeah, and I guess Tony Hawk. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Bye, yep. guys. Bye. send your questions and comments to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com and uh, stick around if you're interested in a little bit of Batman. some post-game here on Connectivity. I'm your host, Neil Ronahan, and with me for this bat-infused segment is Zach Miller and Scott Thompson. 
I'm sorry. When did we agree that post game was going to be the the nomenclature from here on? I don't. <laughs> That's a newscast thing, actually. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, I just realized I was just like, wait, we always did it that way, and I realized that that that's a uh, newscast post game is what we used to call oh, it. Oh okay, yeah, because we always bonus segment. But, bonus uh... segment. Okay, yeah. I guess oh. I can okay. I can roll back the clock and call it a bonus segment. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm bad. gonna throw in a uh, joke real quick. Okay. Let me okay, see. announce it more. Uh, Do you have with, any more uh, things to preface it with? With Anne Hathaway and Marion Cotillard in this movie, uh, The Dark Knight wasn't the only thing rising, am I right? <laughs> hey Um, So we're going to talk about Christopher <coughs> Nolan's Dark Knight Rises, which came out last week um, on yep. July 20th. Uh, there was a, a tragedy that happened during a midnight showing in Colorado where uh, 12 people were killed, which is horrendously terrible um i just think it'd be remiss if we did not mention that almost um, as if almost like the movie would be remiss if it didn't uh, even mention the joker oh yeah too soon a... too okay. soon okay you know real quick though speaking of, of what happened in colorado and then the joker it's kind of weird how the, the past two batman movies have been kind of surrounded um like sort of in this tragedy i mean not that the death of mm-hmm. Heath ledger you know is on the same ground as what happened yeah. in colorado of course but like both movies now have like death surrounding them. You yeah, know, and I mean, it's kind of kind of dark. I mean, maybe there's something we don't know about Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one. Yeah, that like it didn't have something tragic it's gonna happen. come out twenty years later. <laughs> yeah, like, Chris Nolan murdered everybody. We've <laughs> all been dead. It's Inception. <laughs> but it's just Whoa. weird, you know. And I, I think it's always gonna be part of the the legacy of these movies. Like yeah, it'll be something that you can never get away from. Um, I mean, that's, uh, I guess, because uh, Zach kind of touched on it, the whole no mentioning of the Joker, um, I think that was done pretty much to kind of honor Heath Ledger's memory, because he, he, you well, know, he was fucking amazing as the sure. Joker. And the thing is, is like, you can't replace him, because um, no. that would just be cheap. And I think they just went the route, which, I mean, I guess maybe a cursory mention would have been nice, but they went the route of just being like, we don't want to have to touch on that. It's It's... I mean, I remember Chris Nolan talking about how editing the movie after he died was, like, heart-wrenching for him. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's so good. It's like, but he's fucking dead. This is terrible. Right. Right. Um, so, but I mean, I think so it's real much, hard for so those people involved in that movie, movie to even to even rekindle those thoughts of, you know, they put their heart and soul into The Dark Knight working with yeah. Heath Ledger as the Joker, and the dude's dead. I understand that, but so much of Dark Knight Rises follows directly from the actions of not just harvey dent but the joker too yeah uh so i didn't like it that it wasn't even like oh shit look at the joker kind of uh the joker was right i kept expecting somebody to say the joker was right when you when the chips are down people eat each other or something whatever he said right but that didn't even really happen well, it right. kind of did with the kangaroo court yeah. and everyone just yeah, following. I mean, that Bane. was with the criminals. That that had nothing to do with the people of Gotham. Uh, the guess. people of Gotham were pretty much holed up throughout the uh, latter half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, it goes without saying, we're gonna spoil the shit out of this movie. <laughs> you should probably yeah. see it before you listen to this segment. Yeah, uh, pretty much like unless you want the entire movie spoiled, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, uh, so I guess, um, we'll just kind of go over, like, what what we thought about the movie. I know for me in general, uh, I kind of came out of it kind of dumbfounded. Because there were some things that happened in this movie, like having a Robin character that's not overtly Robin. Like, I mean, it's kind of clear, like, if, if you know your, your Bat mythos, or even if you're just a casual fan of it, you're like, yeah, that dude's kind of like Robin. But they yeah. do it in such a way 
that it's not ridiculous. It's not like slapsticky or old chummy. It's not Chris O'Donnell. You know, <laughs> it, it, they do it in a way where it's it's fresh, it's original, and I just love seeing that happen in comic book movies because. Whereas, you know, there, there's some wish fulfillment in being like, oh shit, it's the Phoenix saga on the big screen, but I, I want to see them do something different with some of those movies. And that's the one thing that I really liked about the Chris Nolan movies in general, is that they take this very familiar mythos, and they craft their own tale, create their own universe. And now, to be Dark Knight Rises is, is wonderful in that to regard. To be fair, uh, X-Men 3 did uh, feature the Dark <laughs> Phoenix saga reimagined, but shit all over it. Yeah, well, I was I was referring more to X Men Two with, oh, okay. with the, the Phoenix Saga. Well, I guess I guess actually X Men Three was both, but it is the <laughs> kind of thing where like they they did kind of take the Phoenix Saga and they didn't really add anything new. They just took away, right. like they yeah. they did a skeleton of that story as opposed to you know you know Dark Knight. Like all all three movies are inspired by you know Ra's al Ghul's Tales, uh, Long Halloween, Nightfall. But they don't really take direct inspiration. They create the story, like they they make homages to those great comic works, but right. then they make their own story. Yeah, like that, an like, example, a good it's example. Not, it's not it's not like they're like, dude, we're gonna break his back. How are we gonna do that? Okay, we gotta throw in Bane, and we gotta build the story around that. It's more like, okay, this is where we want to take Batman. Okay, we could work in Bane, and I guess you know what? It, it, this is kind of what we want to do. We want to break him so we can break his fucking back. Well, a really good example of what you're talking about is. Uh, Later in the movie, Batman kind of realizes, or he thinks he realizes, that Bane is is Raish's son. And yeah. I said to myself, oh, that's where they're taking this. All right, I buy it. And then, yeah. you know, later they say, oh, shit, she's actually been Talia all along. And I was like, what? I was right. in the same boat. And that's even with, uh, I mean, I, I managed to stay, I guess, enough away from I guess spoilers with this movie is apparently there were photos of Marion Cotillard where it's just like yeah she's fucking Talia <laughs> like <laughs> they could deny it all they want she is Talia but I, I missed all that yeah, fortunately it was the kind of thing where yeah I bought into it I was like okay so they're making Bane his kid all right yeah I can buy that yeah um Bane was but, awesome by the way yeah uh I guess let's talk about Bane he's he's kind of the big bad I guess up until the last 15-20 minutes when it is revealed that Talia al Ghul, uh, who is Miranda Tate, is right. behind everything. And then uh, Bane just kind of goes father. away. Yeah, he gets blown the fuck away by Catwoman. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Bane, played by Tom Hardy, I think fucking nails it. With the exception of that first scene, which is a victim of... They showed that scene to people in December, and people were just like, oh, I can't hear him. So then they, like, retardedly ADR'd his voice, so it sounded like he's speaking into a recording booth miles away from that plane and everyone else is in the plane. I think he did the whole time. I, I, I mean, he most likely did that, but it was, was just fine. especially egregious in that opening scene. Oh, I agree. Um, and outside of him sounding like Sean Connery in a few moments, uh, <laughs> I thought the voice was wonderful and it is the kind of thing where it's just like, it's this nice haunting feel and just like, you know, uh, similar to the Joker in some ways, at least in kind of, you know, the, the way he kind of almost gleefully enjoys doing what he does um kind of kicking the crap out of people but wholly different in other ways because he beats the shit out of batman and the joker can right end up doing that yeah yeah he, he was good i i do think the voice is for me was a little hard to understand um at times like i probably caught like 
I don't know, like 65% of what he was saying, maybe mm. more. I'd have, I'd have to watch it again, and I think I could pick up on more. But just watching it the first time, like there were definitely moments where, when especially when on when he would go on for a long amount of time, where it was just like yeah. there were entire sentences where I didn't know what he was saying. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, oh, okay, well. That's See, my fine. thing is like, uh, I mean, that that's where, like I said, that that opening scene, which is visually awesome, but like I couldn't really understand a damn thing he said, and maybe that was just kind of adjusting to his voice, but. I mean, throughout most of the movie, like he he's got some of the best lines. Like, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's wonderful, and that kind of brings me to you. what I, what I would say is my favorite sequence in probably all three movies, which is the fight scene between the first fight scene between Bane and Batman yes. in the sewers, where it's just like, all right, it's showtime. You know, Batman gets betrayed by Catwoman. He's locked in there with Bane, and then they just cut the score. And then Batman tries to furiously fight Bane to no avail, and then just gets a shit wrecked. And it's right. so brutal. It's so well shot. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, when I first saw it, like, it it, it really just blew me away because it was just it, it's something that I I don't really see that in comic book movies. I don't really see that in movies. And it's just such a brutal scene. And you have like the the they, they cut away to the henchmen, and they're all looking away. They don't want to see it. Yeah, it's just it's just fucked up and awesome. And it's a I didn't, it's a I didn't very think impressive. Nightfall... It's a very impressive step for Christopher Nolan, who in the past, even in the last two Batman movies, has had trouble filming uh, fight scenes. Yeah, like oh, I know yeah. in Begins, it's it's really rough, yeah. really bad. Um, but I mean, it's the kind of thing where like I didn't think they'd actually be able to pull off Nightfall, and and they did, and it works. Sure. Yeah, and what's great about that too, um, speaking about, you know, his, uh, the character of Bane is just like how well-spoken he is. And so during that fight scene, just to hear him just like, while he's also physically, you know, beating Batman, but also sort of like, like mentally berate him, you know, like it's just really well done. I love how well-spoken he is, uh, you know, when you can't, when you can't understand him. (laughs) You merely adopt the shadows. I was born in them. (laughs) Yeah, like that kind of stuff is awesome. Um, and just, uh, I was wondering what would break first, your body or your spirit or your body. And then he breaks fucking back. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, so, so I thought Bane was, was great throughout the movie outside of a few, uh, I guess vocal, uh, miscues. I don't know if miscues, you couldn't understand what he said. Bad mixing. Um, yeah. And once again, of course, the bad voice comes out here again. <laughs> and it's goofy. So much. Um, I do like... One thing I, that, I actually uh, think he hammed it up more in this movie with the bad boys. Well, there's there's one scene that's especially egregious, and I, I guess I, I might have the best memory of the movie because I, I saw it for the second time. Because I saw it, well, I saw it at midnight on a regular screen, and okay. then I saw it on IMAX last night because I had uh, I bought uh, Batman Begins on and The Dark Knight on Blu-ray at Best Buy, and I nice. got uh, got two five dollar vouchers to go see the movie. Um, so is is it any better in IMAX? That. It's really fucking stunning in IMAX. I mean, it's I wouldn't say it's like, oh, you have to go out and see it in IMAX. You were going to miss out on life. But, like, it looks really good. Yeah, I saw I saw it in IMAX. And I, I, I'll say that I don't think it's very... It's not essential. I mean, if you have an IMAX theater that's easily accessible, then sure. But, yeah. you know, if not, I wouldn't, like, drive, like, a city over or something to yeah, see an yeah. IMAX. Like, I saw Prometheus in IMAX, and that was, like, totally worth it. Because that movie was just, like, visual eye candy. Whereas, like, Batman, not not so much. There's not much CGI, like it looks you know? Real good. Yeah, and the, the scenes shot in IMAX look great, you know, and then it's, like, letterboxed the rest of the time when it's, you yeah. know, like, dialogue and stuff. And they, they look good, but it's not, like, make or break for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I'm, I'm the character Vanid, not really his character, but maybe, I guess just his motivation. I am kind of conflicted with this whole, like, bomb in the city strategy. And maybe there's something I'm missing, but I didn't really understand, like, why he took control of Gotham, let the inmates out, was, like, running things, and then had this bomb that he knew was going to go off in, like, five months or whatever. Like, what was his endgame? Like, what was his plan? <laughs> well, I mean, if you go back to the first movie with Ra's al Ghul, his, his plan was to just fucking decimate Gotham and rebuild. Right. Right, and, and and I feel like um, there might even be a line with this in Batman Begins, or it might just be mixing up other, like, Ra's al Ghul or other characters, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's a line in Batman Begins where uh, Ra's al Ghul ins- insinuates that, that like, him and Batman don't really have a place in rebuilding. They're they're kind of set for, you know, this, this struggle. Um, so it is the kind of thing where, like, like, Ra's al Ghul and I guess by extension Bane, like they want to destroy Gotham, but they don't really feel like they're necessarily have to be a part of the rebuilding. Well, they just think it's corrupt and shit. That, I don't know. That never struck me with Bane. I mean, he seemed to want to be a part of it, but like the only thing preventing the military from coming into the city was the fear of the bomb exploding. So if the bomb explodes, like what's to stop the military just from coming in and just taking control again? You know, well, I because just, no, I, none of them knew that the bomb was going to explode. Right, but once it did. I mean, it was a, it was set to explode. Well, then everyone's dead. In a six-mile radius, not the whole fucking country. I mean, like, the military <laughs> then would just come in and take control. Like, I don't... I mean, Bane would be dead. Like... <laughs> yeah, so that's that's it. What's the point? Yeah, I that's mean, a good it's... question. What, Bane... Gotham's corrupt. Yeah, but they're but... all dead. <laughs> they just rebuild it, new people that... move in, and it's all yeah. the same. Well, I mean, the idea would be that it wouldn't be all the same. Wiped off the map, different. and then they'd have to restart something, and it wouldn't be yeah. Gotham. Okay, but it, there's the whole... It, it's just, but I understand, country, like, whole, would Bane be world. killing himself? Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, so I, I just, mean, that's like... I mean, you have those moments with Miranda Tate at the end, who, I mean... Well, I guess it's not even Bane who's doing it. It's it's technically uh, Talia who's doing, doing all of this. Um, and, like, Talia seems resigned, like, I'm gonna die. I'm okay with that. I just want to see Gotham burn. Right. And I, I mean, I, just... I guess for her, it's, I mean, she's pure, pure revenge uh, in this movie. She just wants to get back at Bruce Wayne and Gotham. Um, Cause that's what killed her father. Right. And I, and I could see that for her character, but I just, Bane seemed like almost kind Bane of like, Bane loves a... Talia. Well, yeah, but, and I guess, and it maybe hit, that's his, his sole motivation, but he seemed almost like the Joker where he wanted to see people like kind of, I don't know, you know, like, rise up and take control and just see what they would do in these situations. And, like, it just, it didn't make sense to me to kind of start this little, like, army of, yeah. you know, criminals and stuff just to kill them all and then for it to be done. You know, I mean, what was, I just don't see what the point was. You make a good point. You know, like, it, it just, uh, so I don't know, like. Well, I mean, but the point was that he loved Talia. Right, and you get, yeah, yeah, so you get that in the very end, but it's, like, throughout before you realize who Tally is and, like, what her plan is, like, I was just sitting there, like, I don't, I didn't understand, like, so that's why I didn't really feel much, like, suspense, you know, or, like, or anything like that, as with with, with the Joker in the second one, like, I very yeah, much Yeah, I guess he, he was more unpredictable. Right, you didn't, you didn't know what he was doing, but, yeah, like, Bane's, like, from the get-go, like, I didn't understand his plan. <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Well, um, I guess uh, let, let's let's move on to another character. Let's, uh, I guess the other the other costumed addition, the focus of many movie posters is Catwoman, um, yes. played by Anne Hathaway. And I guess she's never actually referred to as Catwoman in the movie. Nope. She's referred to as a as a cat burglar, right? But uh, she's Selena Kyle, which you know that's that's Catwoman. Did good. 
Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I thought was... I thought Anne Hathaway, you know, was was great in the movie. Um, definitely, especially the second time through, she kind of grew on me. At first, like it seemed like she would like she would have all the pithy joke lines, but then I'm just like, that's just her her character. It's not absurd. That's just how she is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I thought she was really good. Like I I expected her to be the weak link. Because, I mean, it's like, oh, great. Like, the pictures, you know, like... fucking Hathaway. Right, and, like, the pictures on the posters and stuff. And so it's just, like, she's, like, in, like, the full, like, leather. And she's got even got, like, a little utility belt. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, this is reminding me of Batman and Robin, like, all yeah. over again. Alicia but is that... Silverstone. <laughs> exactly. Except was... for Anne Hathaway's actually a good actress. Yeah. But it was actually really well executed. She was, like, my favorite new character, I think. Yeah. I mean, she, of, was just all... she was a lot of fun. And she really was... She was, I mean, as far as in, in line with the comic book character and also just a fun character in general because she did do the kind of stuff where she played both sides. She was the person that kind of, I mean, she was the catalyst for the entire story in, in all honesty. And yeah, she, that's true. She was a focal point in going between the, the good guys and the bad guys. And boy, oh boy, thank God they didn't, like, go into her origin. I didn't care. Yeah, they, like, they told you burglar. all. That's all I need to know. They told you all that you needed to know in that movie, and that was fine. Yeah, and like obviously knowing the characters, like you can probably make some like guesses as to yeah her origin a little bit. But yeah, it didn't need to be in there. I did. I did like the little bit of a lesbian over. Uh, uh, or I guess uh, I lesbian undertones that too. with a uh, him and or her him her, her and uh, the blonde girl who yeah. I believe is based off of a comic character as well. I'm almost uh, positive she is. Um, yeah. Because I right. think with Catwoman, there's a few different origins, but there's one where she's like a prostitute, right? Yeah. And and that's yeah. how she gets started. And I like see that kind of reminded me of. Um, I think that's where she came out of because at some point, you know, the the blonde girl like has a guy over, right? And isn't he trying to like take her money, or he's not leaving, or something? Right. And then and then you know, and then she kicks him out. Um, Selena does. So, like I think that was kind of alluding to that. That was her past. Yeah, I think plus you're plus right. the plus the way she like can pretty much take control over like any man in the movie. Yeah, like I would kind of allude to that as well. And she's very flexible. There's that one scene yes. where like all of a sudden you're like, how would her leg get there? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the one where she's um got the gun on the guy and then the other guy comes up behind her. Yeah, all these names I don't know because there were so many of them. Yeah, I yeah. know that, that there was the one guy Daggett that uh. Oh yeah, Daggett. Roland Daggett was a character on the TV or on the cartoon show. Um, I guess that was probably the same thing. He was. Like he a was a mobster guy. though on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the mobsters are all gone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's let something I want to uh, talk about is the whole the whole process of Bruce Wayne kind of rediscovering Batman and then kind of rediscovering. Batman again. Well, uh, I mean, in the middle of the movie. Well, I would argue that he never really rediscovered Batman in the first place. Um, hmm. He he wanted to. He's just like, ah, dude, I can just drop in and fuck shit up. Don't worry, this this guy's a punk bitch. And then he gets his he gets humbled. He gets a shit wrecked, and he's just like, oh yeah, I am way out of practice, and now I'm almost dead. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> and then then he actually rediscovers Batman, and you know, and within a three month period, stops he is back. Yeah. Full capacity. That's just the kind of thing where, like, I I know it's just a comic book thing, but I've heard some people be like, "Oh, you can't make excuses for comic. You can't just be like, oh, it's a comic book movie, so that's okay. Like, you need to hold it up to a higher standard." I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't. It's a fucking movie. It doesn't even matter if it's a comic book movie. It's a, it's a fucking movie. I'm sorry. The movie where Bruce Wayne gets his back back broken, and it's just like, oh shit, my back's still broken. Gotham's gone. (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah movie over like sorry 
Like I'd, I'd rather I'd rather have it be a little unrealistic and have him get back there and save the day. Sure. I thought the I thought it was very funny. Uh, well, not funny, but I thought one of the best parts of the movie was when he uh, gave that. Uh, oh Lord. Gave that flare to Gordon and said, "Light oh, yeah. it up!" And that, that and it's whole... like, what the what, what the fuck were you doing? Like, you're like, all right, <laughs> well, I gotta make true. a gotta yeah, make a How statement. long did that take you? I'm just gonna man. hang out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk down some motor oil. I'm gonna plan this perfectly. It's gonna take <laughs> me a day. We only have three days left to live. I'm gonna, spend, <laughs> I'm gonna spend one whole day scaling this building <laughs> and, and drawing my symbol on it. But that's the kind of thing where like. Maybe some people like the movie less for that, but for me, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, I, really I liked it more. When it's just like, you, you kind of take that step back, and you're like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. <laughs> like, there's the one scene where, uh, like, it's after that, that first Batman scene, which I, I did love the build-up to him coming back as Batman yeah. initially. Because it is the kind of thing where, like, they have that familiar music coming on, and you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. And it's, it's a pretty good scene. Yeah. Um, and then they have this, like, uh, him and him and Catwoman after escaping in the the new the new airplane that he has, the Bat. Um, yeah. Like they're talking, and then like like the police chopper goes overhead or something, and he turns away, and then Catwoman's gone, and he has that line where he oh, says yeah. it in the Bat voice, and he's just like, "So that's how that feels." That was funny just like, as hell. No one's around. Why are you using that fucking voice? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny what? for like for like a serious and like um. I don't know, for just a series, as a film series as it's supposed to be, especially the this one and the second one, there were those, like, unavoidable, like, summer blockbuster moments where it's got, it's got it has to have, like, the throwaway lines just for the audience, like, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Like the, like, uh, it, uh like, my mom told me to never get into strange cars with boys or whatever, yeah, and then, like, oh, this like isn't that. a car. But the thing with that is that I love the <laughs> yeah. look on, on uh, Anne Hathaway's face right after he's just like, this isn't a car. Like, her eyes go wide, and she's like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, what am I doing here? Where is he taking me? Or, like, um, the, the first scene when he's on the motorcycle, again, the first scene is Batman, you know, and he's chasing um, Bane and everything, and, and, the, uh, and the goons. You know, you've got the squad car following them, and you've got, like, the new rookie cop, and then you've got this, like, the other cop who's kind of, like, making the jokes and stuff. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're in for a treat tonight, and, like, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when he shoots, like, Batman's gadget that he's using there's just a look over at him right he's like what are you trying to do you know and then i think later when batman gets in the plane and flies away for the first time he has some line too for like um the police chief or whatever but yeah Yeah. it's just like just as serious as a film as it wanted to be it just could not avoid those but i don't really mind that super serious the whole time i wouldn't enjoy it no it's (laughs) totally it's totally fine but it's just it's interesting I mean, I thought that. Um, I mean, just this is this kind of goes, I guess, a little deeper into just my personal views on Batman as a whole. But I always love that in a uh, Batman the animated series. Uh, you know, Batman is that that is that is the real guy in Batman the animated series, and right. the fa- like the act that he puts on is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either he's putting on the act of Bruce Wayne or he's Batman, ostensibly. Even if he's, I mean, because you you can just tell in his voice and his characterization and that. And what I like about the this trilogy is that there's the outrageously fake put on act of Batman, and then there's that kind of little bit of like fake loopy Bruce Wayne, but then there's that 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 third persona that is that is the real guy, and I mean to me that's different from other characterizations of Batman, but it works supremely well in this movie, and I think it's only because of that fact that they have that kind of third persona that the ending of this movie even works at all. Yeah, you know, the third that, persona that, gets what he wants. 
Yeah. Right. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, most mostly it's always the dichotomy, you know, between Bruce Wayne and Batman and you know, in different tellings of it, he leans more towards one than the other. But you're right, in this one there's a third character who doesn't really want to be either. Yeah. And he finally gets he gets free from that while also still like ensuring the safety of Gotham. Yeah, I I have um, to I have to say one thing I didn't like about the movie um is well, maybe not the movie. One thing I didn't like about Bruce Wayne's real persona is that dude needs to get over Rachel Dawes. She <laughs> looks like a fucking turtle. I, I have to made a comment about how like I want to re-edit the Dark Knight and just replace Rachel Dawes with the Jurupy Dog from the cartoons. <laughs> and I I almost pissed myself when I made that comment to me because I'm just like you're so right. Just have have like have Rachel Dawes just go like did you move, dude. <laughs> But, you guys but even I mean, even if it was still Katie <laughs> Holmes, like I mean, it's been eight years, and he fires Alfred because Alfred was like, "Yeah, well, she picked Harvey Dent," and <laughs> Bruce is like, "You're fired." And I, I thought to myself, "Dude, get well, over it." Yeah, but Alfred was kind of already quitting anyway. Yeah. Like it wasn't like well, I know. Alfred was just like, "Well, I never told you, but here's this," and Bruce just get out. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of leading that way. They're anyway, just like they're like but... having some drinks, hanging out. Yeah, man, just, just just telling you, you know, she was gonna fuck Harvey. Like she didn't like you. <laughs> Bruce just gets stone cold serious, and it's just like, get the fuck out. I thought God, I thought uh, Michael Caine did it. Great. He always does a great job, but he did yeah. a great job with with the few scenes he had in this oh, movie. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean, I, I feel too... like it was integral to kind of remove Alfred from this because, like, he's he either becomes an early casualty or he just doesn't really fit into the story That's once right, Batman yeah. gets his back broken. Um, but what he what what Michael Caine had, and to an extent, uh, Morgan Freeman as well. They they were both aces, which is what I expect from them. Same with Gary Oldman. Yeah, I mean, Commissioner in, in, Gordon's a dick. <laughs> he is, but it, he only had a few scenes. But yeah, Michael Caine, like in two of his maybe like what six scenes, like are yeah. like bring you to tears. <laughs> yep. You know, like when he when he quits, and then um, you know when he, he, that that scene where he thinks he's burying. Bruce, he has like, played the same role in every uh, Christopher Nolan movie since two thousand five. <laughs> he's been yeah. in all three Batman movies, in The Prestige and in Inception. He plays the same fucking That's character. True. He's or so it's the same him. role, not the same character. But, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any complaints. Dude's a great actor, but it's just kind of funny. It would have been funny if if Alfred had not been fired or had not quit, and then Bane brought him along to Persia or wherever the heck he <laughs> took uh, Batman. And I think it might have been uh, in Uzbekistan, maybe Uzbekistan. Then sure. uh, and then Alfred was remained his butler in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of that other guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe, guy maybe that was him. originally going to happen. The other guy just looked <laughs> bored. Yeah. He's just like, like Bruce Wayne's like, I need to get better. And he's just like, whatever, dude. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I, I really liked uh, the music when he was climbing the wall. Yeah. I like the music in general <laughs> in this movie. It's it's all fantastic. Oh, yeah. The the main theme from the Dark Knight movies is amazing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, some other things that we want to, that, that, that I'd like to go over before we kind of, I guess, end on the ending. Uh, there's the, I mean, the character Commissioner Gordon, there's uh, really, really good. Uh, like emotional payoff with him where they have the moment with him and him and Batman at the end of the movie, which yeah. I just said we wouldn't go over the ending, but this is, <laughs> this is for commissioner Gordon's sake where, uh, you know, Batman's about to go sacrifice himself for the city of Gotham and take the bomb out into the water. And then commissioner Gordon has that, that comment. It's just like, but no one will know who you are. Like yeah. people need to know the hero who saved Gotham. And then Batman's just like, you know, 
sometimes like like you know sometimes the the biggest hero is the person who just you know tells a little like tells a little boy that everything is going to be okay when the world has completely ended for him or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, that was cool. And it's just yeah. it's such a fucking great moment and you just have Gary Oldman going like Bruce Wayne? <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of though about like having the little like flashbacks within the movie? Like he says that and then it shows the actual scene. Do you even think that was necessary? I thought that was a bit um, much. If it weren't for the fact that like in in the in the scope of the whole trilogy, like, then, like I think that's that's wonderful. Years, in the, I, I, in the scope of the whole trilogy, true. having that scene that's in like the opening minutes of that of Batman Begins, it has that kind of you know that that circularness going back to the end of the Dark Knight Rises. Like I I really like that, and having that kind of reminder, you know, plays well in the context of the movie, and I think it also plays well in the context of being like, oh yeah, I saw that movie in theaters eight years ago. Oh, I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> well, Scott, well, the yeah. callback I thought was unnecessary was when he had the dream of his father coming down the well to, to pick him up. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, that, I, come on. Once again, it just it, it ties in very well to that scene at hand. Well, it does, I know, but not as well. Um, that that one I'm not as, like, worried about because he doesn't, like, say it. He's not like, oh, yeah, this is, like, when my father yeah. found me in the well, and then they show him finding him <laughs> yeah. in the well. You know, like, the, the, with the Gary Oldman thing with the commissioner, it just... He tells you exactly the scene he's talking about, but then they still show it to yeah. you. I, I feel like that was the kind of thing where probably, like, they tested it, and it was kind of like some people were like, I didn't quite get it. So they're like, okay, <laughs> we'll just throw that in. So, you know, most people, like, you know, fans will get it, but then other people will be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Right. So, so to, I guess to end it here. Uh, well, when, uh, I, I don't know what direction you're going on, but we haven't talked about John Blake much. That's what exactly uh, where I was going. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I, he I, was so clearly what, Tim Drake. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he kind of took a little bit from every Robin because he was a little bit Blake of a hothead. Rhymes with like Jake, uh, Jake. I mean, true. Blake rhymes with Drake. Um, and his name was Robin. That means it's gonna be Robin, right? Um, uh, I thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah, I that thought was, that was. I thought that was outrageously cheesy. And that, that actually, that's a, way. that is the one point in the entire movie that the second time through, I'm just like, yeah, that's. that's and, and Bruce that's changed so his silly. will five minutes before he died to give. Uh, well, something tells me he didn't do that five minutes before he died, and I think it was kind of that thing of just, like, he changed his will in general around that time. Like, mm-hmm. he could have even done that before shit went awry. Well, you gotta uh, remember, he had that whole day where he was etching the bat symbol into the side of that guy's <laughs> he, had, he had some things to do. He had some yeah, he, probably, he, he probably worked it in that day, too. Um, there is one outrageous plot hole. He had his lawyer up there with him. get into Gotham? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, how'd he get out of Syria or wherever he was? Well, I mean, that, that that's like, that that I'm not as bothered about, because you gotta think, like, he got back from Tibet, um, and well, Batman Begins, and that's not really explained either. Uh, but in this case, it's just like, you know, Gotham is this impenetrable for- fortress where people aren't allowed, well, I guess people are allowed in, because they do have the scene where it's just like they're sending in supplies. Um, right. He hid in a box of Oreos. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, John Maybe- Blake... He, Maybe he traversed the ice. I, yeah. you know, I don't. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. he's he's lightweight. He was light of foot. Um, <laughs> yeah, with his but, uh, robotic knee brace. But he, but uh, John John Blake kind of took in a little bit of of every, uh, every. I guess the three Robins that I'm most familiar with is that from Dick Grayson. Like he's got that. You know, Dick Grayson at one point was a beat cop. Um, in uh, when he was Nightwing, I believe. Yeah. Uh, right. To kind of do recon. Uh, you had a little bit of a hothead nature with uh jason todd i think they um, said hothead about 65 yeah they said they said hothead a whole lot like, in case yeah. you didn't know he's a hothead <laughs> yeah um 
And then, I mean, Tim Drake, just from figuring out that Bruce Wayne is Batman through kind of flimsy means, but I mean, that's that I see is kind of almost directly inspired by Tim Drake because that's what Tim Drake does. Is he's just like, yo, I noticed you're Batman. I noticed <laughs> um, that you had that same smile when you walked yeah, in the room like, with all those girls. You must that, be Batman. That that is something that like I'm willing to let slide. Yeah, but it is just like oh, that's silly. <laughs> um, but like I, I I really like that scene overall. Like I think Jessica Gordon Levitt is great in it. I like you know Christian Bale playing the foil in that scene is, is wonderful. You know, you know, would have been and there's a, perfect... a lot, there are a lot of sequences in this movie that I'm just like, you know what? Eh, it, like, I don't quite buy sure. it, but the, the acting performance is just so good that when, it's cool. when, when Joseph Gordon Levitt was talking about himself as a kid, I it almost expected him to say, Hey, I was that kid you gave a batarang to, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, that would have been, I, I was, I was, I was cry. I would cry if that happened. That would have been. Apparently, that kid's crazy. on Game of Thrones now. He is, and he's a <laughs> dick. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it is the kind of thing that, like, I I guess the the one thing that might do it is that, I mean, if you think about when he's a kid, you, you're not really given an age on how old Jessica Gordon Levitt's character is. Yeah. But he could be quite young, and when he's saying like when I was a kid, like that's like when the Dark Knight happened. Sure. Right. That's what I was um, kind of thinking. And yeah. that's why, like, you know, Batman was probably in the public eye. And it is a kind of thing where, like, if you if you scrutinize Bruce Wayne a little bit, you're like, something's kind of fishy. Batman right. needs a lot of money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I really liked his character throughout the movie. I I loved his kind of role as the emotional center because yeah, Christian Bale is is the star. He is the Dark Knight. But uh, you know, I think Jessica Gordon Levitt is is just as much the main character, if not more, than Christian Bale was in this movie. And I right. thought I thought he delivered. Uh, he had a great story arc throughout it, and I, I really enjoyed him. I, I wish he would have had a little bit more to do at the end, but I yeah. guess you could argue that, you know, it just wasn't his time yet. You know, obviously yeah. now it would be his time. And following up to that, do you guys think there will be more movies with him as Batman? Obviously not with Christopher Nolan. He's done. But yeah, do no, you think they I would? I, you know, I not with, they're going to reboot the Batman franchise I, again for Justice League. I right. don't think there will be, but holy crap, I want that to happen. I want it to happen real bad. I mean, it comes from, you know, I, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt a whole lot. He, he's, he's slowly entering my tier of just like actors. I will see them in anything. Like, I will probably see that fucking bicycle transporter movie and he's in later this summer. <laughs> Super. Just because I'm like, I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, and I really like. I think, I, I like. It's the kind of thing at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Like, I don't give a fuck about Bruce Wayne. His story's done. Yeah. I just want to see what happens to like to Gotham City afterwards. I want to see what happens with some of those characters that are still active. Like, I I really would love to see, you know, kind of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as as a successor to successor to the throne. You know, maybe have a Christian Bale cameo or something like that'd be real cool. Yeah. Have Nolan yeah. produce it, and if they could kind of line those pieces up get a lot of the supporting cast back in either major or supporting roles. Um, you can have one fucking exciting movie. Unfortunately, Batman I, beyond. Oh God, please. I loved Batman. Beyond. I mean, I, I love me some Batman beyond, but I don't know if that's the direction you take. <laughs> no, it. I'm sure it does. But it is a kind of thing where like, I mean, at least thinking, uh, I, I have a little bit of a, a box office nerd in me as far as, like, tracking to see how movies do and everything. Uh, it is the kind of thing where it's, like, whatever Batman movie they come out with after this, it's going to take a big hit from Dark Knight Rises. Like, it's just inevitable. Um, 
And the thing is, is that I feel like probably on paper, they're thinking like, okay, if we roll with the same group, it's going to take a big hit. And that's probably doesn't look that attractive. So they'll probably roll the dice on something new and hope to get like a, you know, a, a bigger hit, even though it would probably theoretically do just as well as Joseph Gordon-Levitt Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're probably right. And like Zach said, they do want to reboot it because they want to make a Justice League yeah. movie. Because they said, holy shit, look at all the money the Avengers made. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, I, have, I, we I, have a group of It'll be entirely dependent on how well Superman does. Yeah, yes. I think I think that's the case, too, is I feel like if Superman crashes and burns, they're going to fast-track a fucking Joseph Gordon-Levin Batman movie. Dude, I think <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing that's suck. scary. I actually, I, I did not like that teaser trailer at first, but I saw it again, and I really like that teaser trailer just because of how subtle it is. I don't um, think Superman ever went through a period of being depressed. Like, who am I? Oh, I, I'm I don't a think he's ever a fisherman. I'm a crab either. fisherman. I don't um, think he was ever a crab fisherman. I mean, I'm, it's a reboot. It's a reimagining. Yeah, screw that. But, uh, I mean, it is the kind of thing where, like, Green Lantern fucking tanked. I will uh, say that by merely existing, the Man of Steel is better than Superman Returns. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, is Superman going to fight a dude? Okay, cool, I'm in. <laughs> is he going to do something exciting? Really? He is? All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, like, Superman Returns, like... You you just line up all those pieces like it seems like it'll be a pretty good movie, and then I watch it. And I'm just like, this is so boring. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see where DC goes next. I I really would love to see a Joe Gordon Levitt uh, Batman movie, but I don't think it'll happen. I think they're gonna try to go the JLA route, even if it's just like they just have a JLA movie with a bunch of like fresh kids. Um, you know, did did any of you guys or did you know anyone who thought that Bruce Wayne died in the end? Oh yeah, I thought. I uh, yeah, because people were just like, end. "It's like Inception." It's like, no, no, it's not. I mean, you thought he was dead even after you saw the full ending, like no. Him... Oh, that no, God no. Okay, okay, people did. People they make the it mo- <laughs> people so fucking clear. Saying they thought he was dead. Outside of having like, uh, like a title card at the end that's just like, yes. He is alive. <laughs> they could not make it any clearer. Because they give you, like, not only do they have the, 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 the fucking beautiful Michael Caine scene at the end where he looks yeah. over and sees him, but they also have the little thing about, uh, oh, we can't he, find the pearls on the manifest, and then right. uh, suddenly the Kylo's wearing the pearls in that final scene. And, he and then you the also autopilot. have the autopilot stuff, too. It's like, dude is alive. Right. The bat, the bat light is fixed. He, um, you know, yeah. he sends the, he sends the, the, like, the directions to get to the cave to, um... You know, to Robin. I thought that Batlight part was really cool. Yeah. Um, Lauren has, uh, what is it, a Batman joke that Frasier was on Frasier? Oh, no. Okay, come over and say it. Yes. Okay, so Frasier is having this Halloween party, and he says that everyone needs to get dressed up like their favorite hero. So he's dressed up like Sigmund Freud, and his dad's (laughs) dressed up like Joe DiMaggio, and Roz comes over, and she's dressed up like Wonder Woman, and he's like, all upset and he's like Roz I, you're supposed to dress up like, a, like a, a hero and she's like I thought you meant superhero and he's like well when you saw me dressed in a suit and have beard who did you think that I was and she said the butler that works for Batman <laughs> 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 I, it just, I'm watching Fraser right now it just literally happened I had to come over and share did you, did, have you guys seen the, the picture of the community people uh, as the Avengers and yes. Britta is Wonder Woman <laughs> yep have you guys um, seen the, uh, the the gif from the old, um, I think it's either the Batman, old Batman movie or just the old Batman TV show, Batman running through the city with, a, like, holding a huge giant, like, 
fake bomb. Oh yeah, that's from uh, the the old old. It's the movie, movie right? Yeah. The TV show. The movie. I thought it was the movie, but people were just like, yeah, you know, spoilers. Spoilers: The end of Batman. You know, or uh, Dark Knight Rises, and it's just Batman running through the city holding. But the funny thing is that like, bomb over it, that's what happens. It is. It literally <laughs> is. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. Um, I guess uh, we're we're running pretty fucking long with this. But we haven't really touched... Well, I guess we did touch on the ending a little bit. But did, did you guys like the ending? Did you feel resolved? Was there anything that bothered you about it? I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I fucking love the ending. I think that yeah. the last 15, 20 minutes of that movie are pitch perfect. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it wraps up the trilogy nicely. So that's great. Um, but I like I said, I, my whole kind of problem with the movie... Like, it was entertaining. I, I'm not upset or anything with it. I mean, I enjoyed watching it, but... It just never had like any suspense for me, you know. It just kind of seemed like everything was going to work out fine. Oh, so understand... it was like Return of the Jedi, bazinga! <laughs> no, man, the, I, the, the comparison holds so true. No way! Like watching Return of the Jedi, I mean, there's those moments where like Luke takes his lightsaber and he's fighting Darth Vader, and like he's like clenching his teeth, and just the sounds the lightsabers make, like like grinding up against each other and stuff, and like the way he's like, I don't know, even just wait, his, wait, like... wait. So Batman. Getting thrown up in the air and cracked over a dude's back or <coughs> cracked over a dude's leg is is less intense than like Mark Hamill looking like he's gonna poop. Yeah, man, because <laughs> because it happened in the middle of the movie. I mean, what Batman's just not never gonna come back from that. There's an, another another hour and a half with like nothing happening. It just seemed like everything was always gonna work out fine. Let, let, let me tell um, you why. Let me tell you why the Jedi comparison doesn't hold up. Uh, Dark Knight didn't have stupid Ewoks. And there was not a scene, I said this on Twitter, you might have seen it. Did it did have Matthew Modine. It did have Matthew Modine. It didn't have a scene where, at the end where Batman is crying like a little bitch while Talia kicks him in the, you know, guts or something. And then, you know, Bane just looks <laughs> from one to the other for like 20 minutes. Bane did have a pretty rad single tear near the end, though. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. He was, he was crying. was. That was beautiful. <laughs> hey, like like I said, it was good. It just for, it just kind of lacked any real suspense oh, for me. So, like, so how about like all of the Pittsburgh Steelers dying? Yeah, <laughs> one guy lived. One dude lived. Nah, I don't think that dude lived. <laughs> you see the referee? I don't think Heinz Ward made it out. <laughs> um, but it's, like I had that realization like after I got home from seeing the movie. I'm just like, hmm. They killed off every single player in the Pittsburgh Steelers thing. <laughs> movie. Like you see, like Roethlisberger, Mike Wallace, Heinz yeah. Ward. I think like Palomalu's in it. And it's just the kind of thing where it's just like they're all dead. Um, there were, when I in my showing, there were people clapping when they showed those those football players. Oh, yeah. That well, for me, like when I saw it last night, I was seeing with a friend who hadn't seen it before, and I'm just like, dude, get ready to see some Steelers. I mean, we're not. He's a he's a Niners fan. I'm a Packers fan, but it's still we we follow enough football that we're just like <laughs> that's Roethlisberger. <laughs> um. You know, like, let's make a rape joke, and it's not that funny, because rape isn't funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really adored the ending. I think the trilogy is, is great. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to start comparing it uh, on, on, a, on a personal level to the Star Wars trilogy, because the Star Wars trilogy, even though I would say it, it, has, it has a bunch of issues, it's just like, that, that is my childhood. Right. The same with the Back to the Future trilogy, but I would say that when push comes to shove, I think that the Dark Knight trilogy will go down as one of my personal favorite trilogies. Regardless, oh, yeah. I mean, there's no taking away that the second movie will always be, like, one of oh, the greatest duh. movies ever made. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I mean that's the one thing the is like I love Batman Begins and I love Dark Knight Rises, but the Dark Knight is the best of the three movies. It's, and you know, it's, we... it's like Empire compared to Jedi and A New Hope. Sure. Jedi and A New Hope, both totally fine movies. I think New Hope is great. It, it is it is fucking fantastic. But Empire is just heads and head and shoulders better than than both of the, all of the Star Wars movies. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we didn't really mention it on air. I think we were talking about it off air, but. This movie really feels more like a sequel to the first one. I think it does. I, now whether that was just because of the death of Heath Ledger or I don't know, but it's just so weird how how they they really leave the legacy of that second movie alone. You know, it, it, just, it really be, doesn't feel tied into this at all. I would be the dumb motherfucker that like just like all right, you can go back in time and you can you can change some stuff. I'll probably be like, yo man, I'm gonna go back to late 2007. I'm gonna make sure Heath Ledger doesn't kill himself. And then I want to see what Chris Nolan would do with the third movie. Yeah. There's no I'm doubt very if, curious. If, if, he was al- if he was alive, I think he'd be the villain the, in this the, one, too. Well, I don't think he'd be the villain in it, but he would be a factor in it. Yeah. Yeah. They'd introduce Harley Quinn and Bitch and Moan. Oh, uh, dude, I, I, I want to see Harley in a movie so bad. I do, too. Maybe not a Nolan movie, but uh, yeah. I do. Well, I don't, there, there are no more Nolan movies. Well, exactly. It isn't possible. Um, I guess the one thing is I may as well do a tease for something that's going to be happening over at crosstalk.com. The W. Uh, yes, uh, that's Carl Castaneda, a friend of the show, uh, like a friend of the site, friend of our event, former host of our event. Uh, he has a website where he's a bunch of podcasts. Uh, Zach has a Frozen North Dittercast there. Mm-hmm. I've been on Crosstalk Comics, and that's that's probably my personal favorite podcast over there. Um, but yeah, Zach, Patrick, and I, and maybe some uh, another person, maybe a rotating fourth chair, we are going to be doing a show where we, everyone who's there will watch like about five episodes of Batman the Animated Series, and then if we get that far to Superman, Justice League, Batman Beyond, etc. And skip then we Superman, right? Right? <laughs> I've never actually seen all of Superman, so I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if we get there. <laughs> Um, but what we're going to do is every episode, we will talk about like five episodes of the show that we had just recently seen and talk about them at length. Um, because I fucking love the DC animated universe and any excuse to talk about it is, is, is fun to me. Oh yeah. Um, so we're going to do that. And also Patrick has never seen it. Wow. Um, That's crazy. That which, is uh, crazy. Did you guys see kind of thing where I'm like, you were born yet. in the, no, I haven't. I haven't either. With Patrick, it's just the kind of thing I'm like, you were born in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did you miss that? Um, but no, I have not seen Superman vs. the Elite. I will, it's just that, yeah. Yeah, it's like another Superman movie from them. I'm yep. getting a little tired of Superman. Um, but yeah, uh, that's The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, thanks for listening. Sorry if, uh, it's long. If, uh, you're pissed at us for spoilers, well... You shouldn't uh, we, have listened. We, we warned you. We warned you. And to All be right. fair, the movie was almost three hours long, so this is appropriate, probably. Yeah. 45 minutes. We, you know, we, we could go for another two hours, so... Oh, yeah. Right, and... We didn't even spend the first 20 hopping around from new character to new character yeah. randomly. So. Uh, you'll have to do that then in post. Just <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to cut it up and just make it almost <laughs> unintelligible for the yeah. first 20 minutes. And I'll just be like, Who, whose voice is that? What, what is going know? on? Who is, are these people? Are they Is bad? that Scott's kid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tegan, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, that's Dark Knight Rises. Uh, if, you know... Send us an email, leave a comment. I want to hear your thoughts. We have a thread in the forums. 
in which I have already dropped my very uh, close-minded bat knowledge <laughs> on some people and then walked away because I'm just like, nope, I'm just going to be an asshole and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Not that, I'm, not, not that I am the foremost expert in Batman. I most certainly am not, but I have very staunch views of how I see the character. And uh, Oh, last thing, last thing. Did move. you guys notice um, when Alfred saw Bruce and uh, Selena in Paris or wherever he was, there was a top on Alfred's table, <laughs> and it was just about to fall over when the uh, scene cut away. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all. Yeah, dude, dude had the same ending in two movies with Michael Caine <laughs> playing the same fucking role. Uh, all right. Uh, whatever. Both movies were good. All right. Yep. Later. Bye. Bye.